like sitting back and thinking, what three things did your mother teach you about money? What three things did your father teach you about money? What was it like for you growing up in terms of money, in terms of your socioeconomic status? Did you feel proud? Did you feel embarrassed? Did you feel ashamed? Um, what, what are some of the mem money memories you have, the most joyful, the most painful, the earliest? I think there's so much value in digging through your upbringing around money because our research has shown the beliefs that you have around money, they predict your income, your net worth, your credit behavior, and all of your financial behaviors are totally predicted based on your beliefs around money, which come from these experiences. And as we talked about, some go back for generations. You're listening to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast with award-winning digital strategist, author, speaker, and personal branding expert, Francine Bellaghi. Francine is on a mission to help purpose-driven entrepreneurs to position themselves as an authority in their industry, attract their ideal clients, and impact millions of people globally. Looking to redefine the life you want to live and your best life now? Welcome to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast. The place to be to hear inspirational stories of thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and Francine herself with practical strategies to get more meaning in your work and in your life. Make the money you deserve and lead a movement to change the world. Welcome to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast. I am your host, Francine Belay, and I'm really thrilled to bring this brand new season seven on Money Mindset, a habit where money savvy experts from across the world are going to tell all about their own experience with money issues and also how they have decided to make their mission to help others to master their money habits and live a prosperous life. Well, today I am really excited to have on this show Dr. Brad Clones. He is a financial psychologist, um, CFP, I suppose that that's certified financial planner, professor, author, and um, author of five books, actually, five books on financial psychology, including Mind Over Money, Facilitating Financial Health and Financial Therapy. So his research has shown that having a healthy money mindset is a critical component of building, growing, protecting, and passing on wealth. So he helps people master the psychology of wealth and live a life of abundance. Hi, Brad. Welcome to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast. Hi, hey, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Great. Tell us in your own words what you currently do. So, yeah, so I have a very strange profession in the sense that um, I'm combining two worlds that don't usually go together, <laughs> um, and that is the psychology with financial planning and wealth. And so, essentially, I'm a clinical psychologist, so that's what I started in my training, and really quickly learned that money happens to be, like here in the United States, it's the number one stressor in the lives of three out of four Americans. And not just during pandemics and during market down increases, when things are going fabulous, it's the biggest source of stress in the lives of so many people. And so I've just dedicated my career to trying to understand why we are so crazy when it comes to money, why we self-destruct, why we're just sort of programmed, frankly, to do everything wrong when it comes to money. Yeah, that is, that's really weird, Brad, what you say, because people outside of US, you know, in other continents say, yes, you know, US is like a, a kind of wealthy country. Why people are so stressed about money? What was, what's the problem? <laughs> 
Exactly. And we're more stressed than kids, work, health, everything else. So it's this really strange thing, you know, and I think there's a lot of reasons for it, but the average American is, is actually in terrible financial shape. So their income is actually pretty good. I mean, an average income is pretty, pretty good, but the management around money is so terrible that people just don't have a mindset towards savings and it's really easy to abuse debt. It's so easy to get credit card debt and we abuse it. And yeah. so essentially here we have, we have abundance, but we're just totally mismanaging it. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's uh, wonderful. And uh, what would you say is your purpose then in life? Yeah, so my purpose, well, I mean, I have a very specific purpose. I, I wasn't expecting this question, but I love it. Um, so, so my mission on earth is to help bring hope and healing to the world. And so this is how I organize everything in my life. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me right now, it's just been focusing on this financial aspect and emotional aspect around money. Uh, but, but essentially, that, that's what I feel like I'm here to do on earth. And that's why I'm super happy to talk about talk to you. Because, yeah. I, you know, there's a listener out there who might be feeling stressed or embarrassed or ashamed about money and um, any sort of help and healing I can give that that's what I'm all about. Yeah, I love that. I love that. The podcast, obviously, you know, um, the whole uh, purpose of this podcast is really to help people live their best life now and is around three pillars, meaning money and movement, movement to uh, build and lead or be part of any, any movement to change the world. And the reason I'm doing this specific series on money is that money is uh, one of the topics that is less, um, you know, as you say, uh, you know, in America is like a very, um, you know, stress related type type of topic we don't discuss that enough and for some reason we miraculously want to be able to know how it works so this is why this series i'm really focusing on bringing money experts really people who understand money who have been through that and who have made their mission to help other people figure out <laughs> their money mindset and uh, i'm so glad that you are here to really uncover all those layers for us um you know and um, one of the things that actually i wanted to ask before i get to that is first of all is there anything that people don't know about you brad is there anything people don't know about me mm -hmm. um well i i've been kind of keeping it on the down low but have you heard of tiktok by chance. Oh, you are so big on TikTok. Don't yeah, talk. yeah. So, so most people don't know that though. Most people don't know it. On TikTok. <laughs> so are you telling me that people don't know that you have yeah, views on TikTok? <laughs> it's totally true. Like TikTok is another universe. And so I would say most people don't really know yeah. what's going on over there, at least in my <laughs> professional life. So that's okay. the big secret, I guess. But the secret's out, apparently. The secret is out, you know, even before you come, came here. <laughs> so that's wonderful, uh, Brad. So now, uh, tell me why you have now decided to focus your life on becoming a financial psychologist. Were you escaping something yourself? Tell me. Yeah, so fabulous question. So I grew up lower income and I, I, my family was really hardworking, really great people, very reliable and I, I just was always really curious, like, why are we so bad off financially? Like, why are we struggling? Um, why for generations have we been poor? Um, because again, great people, hardworking. And so I think I was really curious of that from the start, like, because I'd, I'd see friends and their parents had more money. And I'd be like, you know, look, look like my family's, you know, they're not, no, they're not smarter. They're not like, you know, I mean, they, they, <laughs> I feel like there wasn't any really good rationale for this practically. Um, and so I got extremely curious about that. And I had to borrow a bunch of money to get through school. So to get my doctorate, I owed $100,000 in student loans. And that was, that's a lot of money. And I, was, I felt terrible about it. And 
I saw a friend of mine make $100,000 in one year trading stocks. And I thought, oh, that's the way to get out of debt, right? So I sold everything I had of value. I started investing. And then three months later, I lost it all because the tech bubble burst. And I think that's what got me thinking like, okay, so why, why did I make this dumb money mistake? Like, what is my psychology around this? And so I went home and I started interviewing my family members and I found out stories that went back generations in my family. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So here I am, I'm walking around through life thinking I'm sorting things out, but really I'm playing out this script that came from my great grandparents. And here I am and it's manifesting in my life. And I, I just became obsessed with the topic once I saw how it was playing out in my life and I had no clue. Yeah, I've uh, seen some of your video when you were talking about that. And that is uh, fascinating to really figure out that actually we try to do the best we can to manage money. And this actually has been playing out for generations. So how do we get out of this if this is something that a script that's been playing out out of uh, generation? How do we get out of this, this kind of scheme and uh, try to play a different kind of music ourselves? Well, you know, Francine, I got to applaud you for tackling this topic because money is a taboo topic. And so people have so much shame around it. They don't really talk about it much. And so we have a lot more opportunities to kind of unwind our thinking around, for example, relationships, because we're always talking about them, right? <laughs> we're talking about the boyfriend or the girlfriend, what we didn't like, the husband, wife, but money is this, this thing we don't talk about. So there's so much value. And even you and I talking right now and people thinking about what their parents taught them, <clears throat> like sitting back and thinking, what three things did your mother teach you about money? What three things did your father teach you about money? What was it like for you growing up in terms of money, in terms of your socioeconomic status? Did you feel proud? Did you feel embarrassed? Did you feel ashamed? Um, what, what are some of the mem money memories you have, the most joyful, the most painful, the earliest? I think there's so much value in digging through your upbringing around money because our research has shown the beliefs that you have around money, they predict your income, your net worth, your credit behavior and all of your financial behaviors are totally predicted based on your beliefs around money, which come from these experiences. And as we talked about, some go back for generations. And mm -hmm. so it is incredibly valuable to try to figure yourself out psychologically around money. Mm, yes, that, that, that's totally right. Um, but also some people actually coming from this kind of background sometimes um, try to do the total opposite of what the parent did and they succeed. How are they able to do the opposite of what they've heard, um, you know, with all these kind of backgrounds or conditioning they had before? So there's, 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 you could do the opposite in a bad way, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the one thing you got to watch out for. Like my family was poor and they didn't put any money in the, in the, they didn't invest any money. They didn't put money in banks. That's how afraid they were. And then I went to the riskiest side, right? So, and then I lost my money. And if I wasn't careful, I'd have gone right back to where they were. Right. So it's the extreme difference is always bad. But how do you do something different? You know, the best way I think to look at it, it's almost like you're an immigrant. Right. And it's almost like if you want to go to a new country, you're going to have to learn the language. You're going to have to learn the customs. You're going to have to open your mind to realizing that this is an entirely different world. And so in terms of socioeconomic status, what we have found is poor people, middle class people have a very different view of reality. Mm -hmm. and, and they they. They don't, they have different mentors, right? So th this is one of the hacks is you need to find somebody who is actually where you want to be or a step or two ahead. As a matter of fact, a group of people 
And you need to almost like an anthropologist try to figure out how do they look at money? Who, what sort of experts do they have in their life? What podcasts do they listen to? What books do they read? It, it's like moving to another country. And um, when people, and I know you know stories where people come into lots of wealth all of a sudden, the typical pattern is people blow it. They, yeah. they end up getting, they, yeah. they're so yeah. anxious about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, they get, their friends ask them for money, their family asks them for money. There's all this stress involved in it. So it's almost like preparing yourself to live in a totally different country. Yeah, yeah, I love that analogy of uh, immigrants. Me, I have been living in different countries in my life. I have started different ways and I uh, have to learn different language, different things, different culture all the time. And this is totally true. You have to uh, really adapt and uh, learn through those culture. And, uh, you know, and money is no different. So we can still learn, right? It's no longer late. Well, how late is late to be able to figure things out? <laughs> Yeah, well, quite often people don't start to figure things out until they've already blown it, right? Until they've made some big mistake or they found themselves in some really bad situation. Um, and this is really, really common. And one of the things that's so important is to not feel ashamed about it. Like that's the other thing. Money is this hugely shameful thing because frankly, we all kind of know what we should do already, yeah. right? So, so we kind of slap our head, self in the head and be like, oh, of course, I, I know I should be doing this, which adds to the shame. And that, that'll keep us really stuck. And so one of the messages I have for everybody is that we're all crazy when it comes to money. I mean, we are wired to just do the wrong thing. It's our tribal brain. It's the part of our brain that's been around for like thousands and thousands of years. Like we're very much connected on what other people are doing and we're paying attention to that. We, we're not wired to save. We're wired to like consume as much as possible right now. You have to overcome your natural wiring. So I, I say, look, if you've made terrible financial mistakes, that's what I would expect, frankly, based on your brain, based on the human brain. And so welcome to the club. Like, don't beat yourself up around that. Um, and a lot of times it's those mistakes and problems that lead to us taking a deeper look. And so very often to get optimal success around money, you very often have to have some big mistakes. And studies show the average millionaire has had three major financial catastrophes, business catastrophes, before they got there. The average non-millionaire has had one or less than one. So it's almost like they don't even try, right? And so one of the psychological hacks is when you make a mistake, you have to become extremely curious about this around where did I go wrong? What was the thing? What was my thinking? What mentors didn't I have in my life? And, and essentially you have to blame yourself a little bit, but lovingly so that you can find yourself in a different position next time. I love that. I love the fact that, you know, really assessing and really taking that uh, reflective, uh, um, you know, um, a time to think what, where we went wrong to be able to learn from that. Because usually people just keep going. We just keep going and uh, we don't learn from our mistakes. Uh, I know that some famous schools or business school or, you know, entrepreneurs, actually, some of them, just as you say, you know, brag about their failures, because if you fail, that means that at least you've tried. So, you know, if you haven't failed, that means that you haven't tried. So, and the more you fail, the more likely you are to succeed sometime. So, um, so you need to make sure, we need to make sure that we learn from our mistake and our failure. But again, in a lot of cultures, failure are not something that people you know, love or, you know, love talking about. So in the case that actually we, um, we, we, as you say, we all know what we need to do, right? We all know, we read the books, we, we did everything, but how do we now get to new habits, really healthy habits to really make sure that we get this time round into the right habits? Yeah. My, my best advice around that is, 
is to find mentors. And, you know, what's incredible about the age in which we live right now is you can have mentors that you never meet, you know, who are putting out content, podcasts, books, um, or you find somebody a step or two ahead of you and you approach them almost as if you are a psychologist and you're like interviewing them and you want to get an idea of like, how, how do they get where they are? How are they looking at the world differently? It's this, it's this curiosity that you need to really, really embody where you're in an open-mindedness. And, and by the way, this, this is all associated with success is open-mindedness, like open to new experiences and being really curious and approach this, like how are they thinking about this differently? What are they doing differently? Um, and just take notes. Like if you were in my position, what would you do differently? Um, what would you suggest somebody in my position do now? I mean, it's just being extremely hungry for that every step along the way. So I think this, this process is something you just repeat over and over and over. If you, like for example, let's say you wanna write a book. Well, the worst thing you could possibly do is talk to people who have never written books, right? Because they're going to tell you about how hard it is and impossible it is and there's no money in it or whatever, the whole host of things, right? What you want to do is find somebody who did do a book because their mindset is like, of course you can write a book. I did. Of course you can. Um, So they have an entirely different mindset about what's possible. And so finding people who have that, of course you can do it. And here's how you do it. That's what you want to look for. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that very practical. And uh, the fact that you say there are mentors everywhere these days. And, uh, you know, we live in, a, in this beautiful uh, era that we can really access mentors, you know, like also you, actually. So many people, you don't have to live in the country even to get access to fabulous people. And I love that, um, you know, aspect and books and podcasts and all those things. So there's so much resources. We just need to make sure that, we are clear about what we want to um, achieve and then reach out to the right people. You also, one of your videos actually talk about the, the secret of the wealthy people. Can you tell us about those secrets for our listeners? Yes. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of secrets in the sense they have very different psychology. Okay. And so I'm not sure how it is, you know, in your neck of the woods, but I got to tell you, like there is a picture painted of wealthy people in the United States that is, is, kind of sickening. And by the way, I've, I've been to London, so I know your guys' opinion about Americans, um, or at least some of them. Uh, but but it's, it's sort of sickening, right? It's, it's like this um, garish display of wealth and Lamborghinis and Rolex watches. And this is all over social media. Now, one of the secrets of wealth is that's actually not how most ultra wealthy people spend in the United States. And, and the, people don't even get this in the United States because they're so convinced that they want that lavish lifestyle. That's actually not how most ultra wealthy people in the United States do it. So for example, we did one study, we looked at people who had a net worth of 11 million bucks compared to people who had a net worth of 500,000 bucks. So these people had like 18 times more money than the middle class, but they only spent twice as much on, we asked about houses, watches, cars, and vacations. And so this one, it, it, it's, it's when, when I talk about this too on social media, people don't believe me, but the data is so crystal clear. And so one of the fantasies that we have is that, you know, wealthy people spend their money. And I mean, this, this is so ridiculous when I say it out loud, because you're going to be like, of course, but actually the only way to get net worth is to actually not spend it, right? It's sort of saving some money along the way. And so that's, that's like a huge secret that uh, actually a lot of people never end up getting ahead because as soon as they get money, they go buy some item to try to display their status. Again, this is their tribal brain. This is how we're all wired to show you that I have value so that you like me, um, that kind of thing. And so it's overcoming that tendency or that desire to do that because that is not how most ultra wealthy people spend their money. 
One of the biggest problems that I see with purpose-driven entrepreneurs is that they got big ideas and great vision, but when you look at their brand, you can't see any of that, which means they are putting all this work, their heart and their soul into it, but they are not really seeing the return because nobody really knows what they do. But it doesn't have to be that way. If you are a purpose-driven entrepreneur, who is looking to position yourself as the authority in your field, attract your ideal client and impact the million globally, book a complimentary 30-minute mini-brand audit session with me today at francinebelay.com slash audit. That's F-R-A-N-C-I-N-E-B-E-L-E-Y-I.com slash audit. During this call, we are going to look at where you are with your brand, where you want it to be and together we look at the biggest things that are getting in your way and create a roadmap that attracts your ideal client and impact million globally so i only have a handful of these free mini brands audit session each week so book your complimentary call today at francinebelly.com slash audit because this 30 minute call can radically change the way you see your brand and how others see that as well so go to francinebelly.com slash audit so um you also earlier talked about shame around money is there a way that people can just um get rid of the shame that they have around money uh, what are some of the ways that we can you know be comfortable talking about that yeah so i think the first thing is to just Blame your parents. <laughs> it's not your fault. It's their fault. Um, and, you know, I say that sort of jokingly, but typically this stuff goes back for generations, right? And so I could take anyone and I could put them in your family system and they'd end up doing the exact same stuff you're doing and the exact same mistakes you've made. And so you don't know what you don't know. Like, and we're all just stumbling around here. We're all wired to do it totally wrong and and make terrible decisions. And so I'm trying to de-shame you and your listeners right now. It's like, (laughs) welcome to the club. Yes, you're terrible with money. Welcome to the club. You know, it's a great place to start. You're in good company. So now let's start doing better. You don't need it. You know, look, you've made mistakes. You've made mistakes. Guilt is fine, right? Guilt is fine. I feel bad I made mistakes. Yes. But it don't, the shame is terrible. Shame says you're a mistake and you're not. You've made mistakes. We've all been there. Again, if you've only had two financial catastrophes, you need one more if you want to be a millionaire. So get out there and screw up even more um, and, and then blame yourself for it in terms of like, how did, where did my thinking go wrong? You know, and one of the other secrets of ultra wealth is called locus of control in psychology. And so the wealthy people have an internal locus of control. And so what they do, their mindset is my mistakes are because of my thinking or stuff I didn't know. It's not because of the external world. And this this is a huge one. If you have an external locus of control, if you think that all the results in your life are because of society or or bad people or rich people or whatever it is, that that ends up keeping you stuck. And and by the way, there's plenty of people to blame for things, right? You don't have to look far, but it gives you some immediate psychological relief 
but it's absolutely terrible for you as an individual if you want to better your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that you also say that uh, made me ponder is that you also say that 80% of millionaires are self-made, which is uh, something that usually you don't, you think that, you know, there are much more millionaires that have inherited their wealth. So, but uh, actually, so, you know, therefore, uh, you know, what would you say were the best habits that those people actually have been able to do to get to that level? Yep. So but that, those are the stats and the studies we did, you know, most of them went to public school, like by 80 or 90% of them went to public school. Most of them are first generation. It's, it's between 80 and 88% in the U S are like self-made, you know, and everyone, the, the people like to argue with that, like, well, they didn't do it all by themselves. It's like, well, yeah, right. None of us do, but they weren't born wealthy. Yeah. Yeah. And so they climb the ladder. Yes. Yes. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, it's, it's mindset essentially. Um, you know, there, there's also a false belief that you have to go start a business to become a millionaire. That's another false belief. That's absolutely not true. Um, and I've worked with many, many millionaires who just had a salary job and they're a millionaire. And so essentially, essentially there's only a couple things that distinguish people who are millionaires versus not just as an example. And essentially it's saving. I mean, that, that's actually the number one thing. And so the, one, the people who are able to become millionaires, it actually doesn't take much. I mean, $5 a day, if you had invested that, <clears throat> if you had invested $5 a day in the S&P 500, which is just an index fund, um, historically, for 40 years, you, you have a million dollars. I mean, that's the simple formula. $5 a day, 40 years, invested historical returns like that, $1 million. And so that, that's really important to grasp. Because all that is, is a mindset and a habit. And if you notice, I didn't say you have to start a business. You know, I didn't say you had to invest in real estate. I didn't say any of these things. All, that, that's the simple formula. And so it's having that mindset. Because obviously you can invest more. I mean, obviously sometimes it takes generations to turn the ship around, right? Like it's certainly true in my family. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to take the ball from my, my parents and, and run down the field and put my kids in a better spot. And that's the way I look at it too. It's like, we have an entire generational system of poverty in my family system. And it, I, why is it, of course it's going to take some time. Mm-hmm. And one of the fallacies that we, we have when we come from a poor income place is we have this get rich quick fantasy. Mm-hmm. We have this mindset that that's how people become wealthy by taking radical risks. That's not usually how it's done. Yeah. So, um, yes, I'm also surprised when you say that not, you know, um, you know, you don't have to start a a business actually (laughs) to, uh, you know, because people say, you know, you're never going to get rich and stay in a job. So, um, so therefore, but you definitely need to have some kind of, um, you know, I suppose a good salary or you don't need $5. How about $5 a day? Whatever gets you an extra $5 a day. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> but you do need an extra five dollars a day for that you formula, just need right? So five dollars a day to become a millionaire. I think that's that's awesome actually to grasp. Actually, those are like some some again some of the belief that we have or we've been right. told that you know you just need to go and start a business. So don't really necessarily need. Obviously, if you start a business, you can uh, get there as well. But uh, you don't have to be. So that's that's good. And um, some other things that you covered in some of your videos that I wanted to explore. One of them is that financial comfort zone. So you say that some people are also afraid of being different from their family. Therefore, they rather not <laughs> 
have the money. So can you tell us a little bit more about this? Actually, I think that that was very interesting to uh, to to understand. Yep. So we we're living in modern society, but it's really important to understand that our brains are wired to survive in tribes, and tribes are about 150 people, and you're very closely related. So this is such an important concept. And so your survival historically and biologically, every cell in your body is telling you this. I have to stay with that tribe. If I, if I get away from that tribe, I'm going to die because literally people that, you know, ancestors who are not your ancestors because they all died, who didn't really care about being separated from the tribe. They got eaten by predators or killed by other tribes. Okay. So, so you are wired to stay within that tribe. And so the further you get from the tribe, the more anxiety you feel, the more pressure you get from them to come right back. Like, where are you going? Do you think you're better than us? You know, you need to share with us. Again, the sharing with us, that, that's, that led to our survival. So just understanding this, tremendous amount of pressure for you to not leave that tribe. And so this explains why people come into big contracts and music contracts, money, sports, and then they blow it all or they win the lottery. I think the average person is, has lost all the money in seven years. Yeah. And when you sit and you hear that, you're like, oh my God, these people are idiots. Mm. Like this is your thought, right? Mm. We're like, oh, I would, that would never happen to me. Mm -hmm. But I have worked with many, many people who have come into large sums of money and you are just not prepared for the amount of pressure and, and, and anxiety you're going to feel when that happens. And so I sort of jokingly say, and I'm only saying this half jokingly, if you come into a very large sum of money, you have two choices. Number one, you're gonna have to get rid of all the money or number two, you're gonna have to get rid of all your friends. <laughs> and that's a pretty brutal thing to say, but the bottom line is it creates so much discomfort um, and little things around like, who's going to pay for eating out? It's like, okay, I, I know what you're saying. You'd be like, well, of course it would be me. It's like, well, yeah, great. But how does that feel in year two or year three? And, and you're stressed about some big tax bill that's going to cost you a million bucks and, and they are, they're struggling to put food on their table. You start to feel bad about that. And they start to feel, I mean, the, the, there's so many situations that create discomfort that people have a natural tendency to their tribal brain kicks in, their survival brain, and they're like, get rid of it so I can be back where I belong. It's, it's, an, it's, it's, it's almost like gravity. It, it takes so much energy and support and time and thought to escape that gravity to create a new life that most people don't do it. Yeah. Have you been with some people that have suffered that way or, or, or learned some case? And how do people have managed to escape that kind of mentality uh, uh, and make sure that they can keep everything to, um, and still keep saying actually. Yes. And so it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort and it usually helps if it happens over time, right? So you're starting to make a little bit more money each year. It's a gradual shift. That's why when you get all the money at once, people are just prone to just totally blow it. And so as you're gradually, actually the gradual climb is much, much better for you, frankly. Yeah. Um, and because you're going to get mentors along the way, you're going to, your, your friend group is probably going to shift a little bit naturally yeah. mm. as you're moving into a different business world or a yeah. different way of looking at the world. And, a, you know, so that tends to happen naturally. And if you think about it in your life, it's happened every, every step along the way. Like you don't have the same friends you had mm. um, in primary school, right? Because mm. you kind of shift with your, as your interest shift. And so um, essentially it, it's just being very much aware of that, that there's going to be a lot of pressure from your family and friends and you're going to feel it too, deep emotional pressure. Um, and quite often that can sabotage you if your desire is to climb the socioeconomic ladder. Mm, mm, that's really fascinating, really fascinating. So what would you say is the one habit that, you know, people can 
take right now, right? To be really good psychologically with money, you know, not, you know, saving or whatever, but psychologically, how can we make sure that we get to this place that, you know, we, we, we kind of take healthy habits with money. So I know that you mentioned, Francine, that part of what you do is talking about purpose. Yes. yes right. Yes. And so Definitely. one mindset that we've studied that is really self-destructive is what we call money avoidance. Mm -hmm. And it's this psychological association that many of us have with money's bad, mm -hmm. you know, or rich people are greedy or money corrupts, or there's almost, it's almost like you can't be virtuous unless you yeah. don't care about money. Yes. Now, now in our studies, like this is a lot of therapists who have this thought, um, a lot of very <laughs> conscientious purpose-driven people I know. Have, will have this belief, right? Yes. And, it, and we come by it honestly. But it's incredibly self-destructive. Yes. And all of our studies have shown you're going to have less income. You're going to have less net worth. Yep. And what I know is that people who have this mindset, what comes up for them immediately are all these examples of horrific, terrible, rich people <laughs> who've done horrible things in the world. And by the way, they're all over the place. Like you don't have to look very far. However, there are just as many incredibly rich people who have done incredibly beautiful things in yes. the world that have cured diseases, that have, that have built hospitals, that have created schools for people yeah. who are underserved. And, and so you have to wrap your, you wrap your head around this. Your ability to make the world a better place goes up exponentially when you're in better financial shape. And so just, just wrapping your head around that, that mission statement, you can help way more people if you have more money than if you don't have any money. And so what I want is your listeners and these purpose-driven people who really have values that matter in the world, I want all of them to be the rich people. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you exactly really articulated well. This is exactly what I find as well. You know, I know quite a lot of people who have very big idea. They have big heart. They want to help people. But the problem is that they are themselves in a financial situation because of the association they make money with uh, can't be you know linked to the purpose can't link being linked to the good things so and therefore i say yeah so if you don't have money how are you going to be able to continue your mission and be able to help other people this is why the very reason why i'm stopping on the money side this season to really tell and get rid of the negative association or belief that people can have around money and really reset, you know, as we have, you know, we are quite in this post-COVID world now where a lot of people have lost their jobs, their businesses or whatever. This is now the time to reset and have perhaps better relationship with money, better understanding. This is what actually I'm trying to do. Let's go and really find out which kind of relationship we can have. What are the thoughts or the belief that no longer serve us because they were not right in the first place, but how we can now build this new habit and build this new, you know, career purpose or whatever we want to do. So this is really like, uh, you know, you just uh, hit uh, that on the nail, actually. So that, that's good. Um, so now my question is, how do we get to reach a, re, uh, to live a rich life now, regardless how many that we have? Yeah, that is so important. And um, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. And it's like, I just put out a video on it today, actually, this ah, morning. I didn't um, watch that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and because, because it's so important. It's so important. 
because you know you have to save for the future. Like one of the rich mindsets is this, I'm gonna save 20% of my income. By the way, you can become wealthy without hurting anybody, okay? Uh, all you gotta do is just save some money, that's it. Money's coming into your life, spend most of it, save some of it, that's, yeah. that's essentially it. Save and invest some of it. Um, and so what you want is that nest, nest egg to get big enough so that it starts spitting off money for you, so now you're free, to, you're free. you own your time, you can do whatever you want. So, so you have to save, you have to plan, you have to put these things into place. That's, that's one thing, but you also have to enjoy life now yeah. You have, and you know what, there's, this is part of the abundance mindset. There is so much beauty all around us, even in the midst of a crisis, you know, and it's your mindset. You have to reset yourself all the time. What's the opportunity? What's the yeah. opportunity? This is, this is what I think everyone should say to themselves yeah. 10 times a day. Have it, have it as an alert that pops up in your phone. <laughs> What's the opportunity? the opportunity? Let me write that down. As Where's well. the opportunity? So look, you're stuck at home, right? Your business is taking a hit. We're in the middle of a pandemic. You know, are you that I have kids at home. The opportunity for me is to be a better father, is to really embrace my role as a father. Um, and I'm choking up as I'm thinking about it, you know, um, because th we have these opportunities for beauty and for purpose every moment of our lives. And so you can do both. What you don't want to do is wait until, quote, you've made it or, quote, you're rich. Um, because over. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Because that never happens. So you never actually get there. There's never enough money that you can have that'll all of a sudden give you purpose and happiness. And it, it's a, it's a fallacy and people don't believe it, but the studies are just crystal clear on this. Once you can put food on the table and clothes on your back and you have shelter, there's not a lot of correlation between money and happiness. And so the belief that, Oh, I'll be, I'll be intimate, ultimately happy and all my problems will be gone is another self-destructive money belief. And it also sets you up for misery. So let's say that you spend 50 years sacrificing everything. You finally get the money. I'm telling you right now, you're not going to be happier. So, so don't do that <laughs> because you're going to be very disappointed because you are who you are. And so if you can practice experiencing joy right now, that is really what's going to lead to you being wealthy and happy too. It gets a practice it, and it's noticing what's all around you. It's noting, noticing the beauty, the joy, and the opportunities that are right now today, not tomorrow, today in your life. Yeah. Practice uh, yeah, having joy now. That's wonderful. So now, Brad, uh, let me um, uh, show, uh, share like a um, very lightning round question um and then um hear your answer when you actually travel do you choose your flight based on um, the cheapest one or the um duration um i i kind of go for duration <laughs> <laughs> um I, I i try to balance the two but i have you know at, at this point i don't want a six hour layover if i can do a one and a half hour layover <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. So if I give you $100 today and a laptop, how would you make him money? Uh, if you gave me $100? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, quite simply, what I would do is I would use it to um, run ads for some of my courses. That, that's okay. what I would do. Yeah, <laughs> that's wonderful. Uh, so what would you say is financial, financial freedom for you, Brad? Oh, you know, financial freedom for me equals time. That's really what it is. So, um, you know, what to me, what is wealth? It's owning your time. It's not stuff. Yeah, that's wonderful. And your definition of meaningful work and meaningful life. Then. So for me, me, my definition of meaningful work and meaningful life, it goes back to my mission statement, which is to help bring hope and healing to the world. And so the, the fabulous thing about that mission statement for me is I'm fearless. 
Um, I, because I, because I'm, I'm trying to live that mission. So I don't really care what you think about me so much. <laughs> um, I'm not so worried about my own ego and, and all of that because I, I'm very focused on, Focus the mission. on the mission. Yeah, that's it. You know, I think that is a very good advice also to people, you know, uh, who say, Oh, I can't put myself out there, etc. When you are focused on your mission, you don't really care. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. So now do you have any last piece of guidance that you like to pass on to our listeners to do more meaningful work and live a more meaningful life? Hmm. I would say that if I could just repeat myself a little bit around the, where's the opportunity? Like, I feel like this mindset will radically transform your life mm. because there are, there's suffering. So much of our suffering is self-made. We make it ourselves, you know, cause we're thinking, Oh, I wish things were different. Um, and there are things that are out of our control. There are things that are absolutely out of our control. So where's the opportunity? Where's the opportunity? Ask yourself that 10 times a day. Cause you're going to see it. And if you're not looking for it, you're not going to see it. You're going to just be scanning the world. We find what we're looking for. Yes. That is such an incredible concept. You're going to find what you're looking for. So make sure you're looking for good things. Wow. Love that. I love that. Look and make sure that you look where is the opportunity. I love that. <laughs> and put that on your phone. Yep. <laughs> so wonderful. So Brad, where people can actually reach uh, uh, you and learn more about you and what you do. So I'm Dr. Brad Klontz on all social media and then bradklontz.com is my website. And what I've done is I've put up all the studies that we've done on the psychology of wealth. They're all there and you can download them. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then TikTok, obviously. <laughs> TikTok and YouTube. Yep. Yep. TikTok and YouTube. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much, Brad, for your time and your wisdom. It was really a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. The show notes of this episode of the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life are available on my webpage, francinebelly.com slash podcast. That's F-R-A-N-C-I-N-E-B-E-L-E-Y-I.com slash podcast. With all the references shared on the show and other relevant resources as well. If you enjoy this podcast and want to show your love and support, Share it with your friends and colleagues on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, wherever you hang out, because this will encourage me to keep bringing you an awesome show. So, and make sure that you subscribe to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the app where you are listening to this podcast. So you don't meet any episode and leave me a five-star review as well, because that will mean that a lot of other people can see this show and it will help me spread this message to many, many more people. So I will see you next week for another episode of the season seven. Until then, dream, act and make an impact. Lots of love.